0: I was one of the first ones uh, who got that message because the the former um, director sportive he he was like, uh, "You're not performing on seventy point three. Um, you can't like we will not back you for for a run at the Olympics." So now like you have to you have to find a way to to make it like make it yourself.
1: Welcome to the One Moment Longer podcast, presented by Any Question. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And this was a really delightful conversation with one of the all-time great athletes coming out of this last five years, the young Daniel Bikergaard. So much inspiration, so much learning in this one. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. Alright, today I am joined by a Danish triathlon sensation, an Ironman Austrian winner on his debut. One of the youngest professional athletes to qualify for the Ironman World Championships, a multiple 70.3 winner and third place finisher at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in St. George. Just with his remarkable professional career that began in 2019, he's quickly become one of the sport's rising stars. From his humble beginnings in a small Danish village, he's evolved into a dominant force in the triathlon world, claiming victory at the Ironman 70.3 European Championships with a truly impressive performance. And I've just admired from afar his progress and just been thrilled to watch him grow into an extraordinary athlete on the international stage. So it's an enormous honor and privilege to have him join me today. So welcome and thanks for joining me on the One Moment Longer podcast, Daniel Bikergaard. How are you, mate?
0: Thanks a lot, Greg. Um, I'm the one who's honoured. I've uh, listened a lot to podcast and you know, it's just a privilege to be here. Right. Well,
1: it's like everything I said in the intro, mate. I've been watching. You know, I watching. There's a there's a group of you coming through that it's been just so incredible to watch you all lift the bar of the sport. You know, beyond where it's ever been before. It, it truly is with your swim, your bike, and your run. I'm, I've often said on this show, I'm glad I'm retired. Um, because it's truly impressive to watch you guys go. <laughs> you know, you and Sam Long and Ben Knut, and of course, you've got the Norwegians thrown in there. And it's it's really quite extraordinary as you all just keep pushing and pushing. And um, do you feel that? Do you feel like there's a group of you that are changing the way the sport is?
0: Yeah, it's it's a difficult question uh, to be honest, because I think it's it's been a natural way of the 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 sport for years. you were you were the part of it in in your career when you. Uh, like change the way of, of, of racing as well. If you look at it, you have like certain areas of of the sport where something else comes into play. Um, and I think it's awesome to be at, in the sport right now. It's also tough because um, right now you don't you don't really. You can't afford to have any any weakness. Mm -hmm. uh, To be honest, Um, you have to be there in all three disciplines and also the transitions. I think it's just a testament to like the sport becoming more and more professional and and Mm -hmm. bigger and bigger. The fact that there are more and more athletes who start to kind of do triathlon as a sport uh, when they are like eight or ten years old, which is Fantastic. Of course, right now we have like uh, we have a bunch of guys, uh, myself included, uh, who just like to, to challenge each other, and we race a lot. And I think that just creates um, a nice uh, and healthy at at times um, like atmosphere of you just want to get better, mm-hmm. um, you just want to develop as an athlete and as a person, and. Uh, right now, of course, the Norwegians uh, in the middle and, and long-distance game is kind of the golden standard um, mm. and all of us, we just want to beat them and that creates uh, <laughs> an this. awesome atmosphere.
1: There is, there's you and, and, you know, I've had Sam Ladlow on the on the show and, 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 the, and I'm loving this, like, uh, you all are very determined and you're prepared to speak your minds, you know what you want and you're going after it. And, yeah, the Norwegians are there leading the way right now but boy, you're all chomping at their heels, and it's made for really entertaining racing for the rest of us that love that are big fans of the sport. I think it's just been yeah. truly impressive.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, of course Sam. He he came kind of out of nowhere, <laughs> even though he's 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 probably been there for for a bunch of years. But you know, it's um, especially last year when we had the two uh, the two world championships. It was like the first one in in Saint George. I actually felt like. Christian and Gustav, especially they—they they were not that dominant. Um, we could still, like, of course, the media will will paint a big picture of there's basically only three guys in the sport, and that's Jan and the Norwegians. Um, but at the same time, we saw some. Lack in the bike performance of Christian. Um, we had a big group r- riding away. Mm. Um, and to be honest, when I when I started the run, I thought like, okay, I'm going to be a world champion today. Wow. Um, then I did 100 meters of the run, and I felt felt like, uh, yeah, that was that's maybe not today. That's awesome. But but I, but, but I, what I wanted to say was the fact that we we did the race, and I I felt like in that lead group, we had that kind of I wouldn't call it anger, but it was kind of we revolt-driven. So uh, we we all had the same drive to just we wanted to win, mm. all of us, mm. and we especially wanted to win against the Norwegians. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know Christian and Gustav. They have they feel the same way when when they race anybody else. So I think it's it's nice because we can also like we are friends on the on the side of of racing. So. That whole atmosphere is just so cool to be a part of. Um, and I think it's um, it's, it's a way of, of growing the sport as more spectacular friendly and, and especially also um, like the level will just increase and increase.
1: Oh, we're seeing it, mate. But um, listen, you, you jumped on here. Uh, we were just chatting pre-show. You've jumped straight off the bike. You had a massive Zwift workout you've jumped straight onto this show. Uh, where are you and what time is it? Where are you in the world?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm back home in Denmark right now and it's uh, seven in the evening. I just finished off uh, a solid training day, so uh, there's not really a better way to finish than uh, with a <laughs> podcast.
1: When you say a solid training day, give us a recap. What, what did you get up to today?
0: Today was kind of a typical uh, Tuesday at, at home where uh, in the morning, we have a smaller group who, uh, yeah, we all have like tempo stuff in the morning. Um, so I did three times five Ks uh, at around 315 pace. Uh, and then we had like a recovery technical work kind of swim afterwards, um, 4K, one hour. Then I had a massage and um, some chiropractor stuff. I had some sponsor, um, like, um, what's it called, uh, pictures and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever
1: mm-hmm. Uh, media yeah. stuff
0: yeah. I had to do. And then, yeah, jumped on, on the shrift for, for two hours, uh, with some, it was like one hour and 20 normal steady ride. And then we, uh, I did a, a kind of a heat, uh, a little bit of a heat session.
1: Everybody listening to that. Let's recap that. Tempo run the morning three by three by five k at three fifteen k pace for the US in miles. That's uh, let me think if I can get that right. It's about five fifteen mile pace. Insane. Then you then you've gone and done a four <coughs> k swim, which I know it was technical, but that's that's actually really hard when you don't have legs. And then then you've spent the afternoon doing chiropractic and massage and sponsorship obligations. Finish that with a two hour bike ride with an hour of it tempo, and now now you're sitting on doing a podcast with me. My goodness, mate! It's um, that—that's what it takes. I, I think you know, for people listening, there's often a lot of young athletes that listen, and when you hear that, and and this isn't a, this is just a normal day, people. This is we're just talking normality, and I just think it's fantastic to hear it. So thanks for sharing it, mate. I, I appreciate that. Um, absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, How, how's the um, how's the preseason going? You know, and your training and racing gone so far this year?
0: It's been. Uh... <sighs> I'd, I'd recap it for last year as well as a huge uh, work in progress. Um, I've learned tons of stuff, and I, I still do on a daily basis. Um, so it was like I, uh, I finished my season in, in Israel at the Ironman, um, getting my teeth kicked in by Patrick Lang on the run.
1: Hang on, hang on, hang on. Before you put yourself down, that to me was still... That was an extraordinary performance. I mean, you, you, you,
0: yes. Yeah, I'm I'm happy about it. I'm happy about it. Patrick I, dropped I, a I 230
1: run. You went at 237, mind you, <laughs> for a 7:43 total Ironman. I mean, I I don't know. Yes, yeah. Patrick had an incredible race. I'll give you that.
0: But. I think I think I'm, I must be the the only guy who comes off the bike with a 5 minute lead lead uh, runs uh sub 240 and then still <laughs> come um, second <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, seriously uh, oh my goodness
0: i mean that was just uh, i i think also the course was not that fast either i think what patrick did there was like that's why he he's a multiple world champion um mm-hmm. i have huge respect for for that mm. that performance he, he did there
1: where, where did he catch you and did you ever feel like did, did you when did you feel like oh maybe i'm not going to win because I, I assume you felt like you were going to win for a majority of that marathon
0: it's difficult because I'm not that, um, you know, I've, I can't remember how many Ironman's I think it's four or so I've done in total. Um, so I'm not, I'm quite new to the game still. Um, and it is just a different game than the the 70.3 in terms of pacing, because it's like a 70.3 or PTO race. It's like, it's one hour maximum, like all out effort you have to do, um, for that, for the, for the half Ironman. And that's, I don't know. For me, it's it's kind of easy to wrap your head around because it's it's just all out for an hour. Of course, you can burn like you can burn out in, in the last part, but you know, in an Ironman on an on a marathon, it's just a whole other game. Uh, the fact that it's supposed to feel easy in the beginning—that's just it's just completely weird. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, I I I did the math. I was like, okay, I. I was aiming to do uh, 3.45 pace basically the whole way through If because I felt like in, in the lead up I had done some pretty uh, nice run sessions. Uh, you can ask Sebi about that um, in, in Girona. Uh, so I, I thought like I was in, in decent run shape, um, ran out there and I was like, okay, this after 10K, 10Ks, k I was like, okay. I, I, I was on pace and it felt quite easy. So I did the math that would be like ballpark 237. Um, and then, then I thought, okay, he had to do 232 then to ca- catch me. Um, that's not gonna happen. Uh, no nobody nobody ever run faster than what <laughs> 234 or whatever yeah,
1: 235 ben hoffman wasn't in florida or something or do we have quicker I don't yeah, know.
0: yeah yeah exactly yeah. um and then and then i at kilometer 33 that then happens he comes past me and i know that he was he was searching cause i i didn't like i didn't lose my head at that point because i was like I, I felt like at that point I was running the fastest I possibly could, uh, keeping in mind that I had to run nine additional kilometers. Mm. Um, so 345 was like, that's the pace I can keep. Um, and it felt like he, he searched through, uh, past me and he got like 200 meters. And those 200 meters, they kind of stuck for, I don't know, it felt like five kilometers or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know he also said afterwards that he, he felt like I was gaining on on him again. (laughs) So I know he was, he was also like, he was feeling it and then he pulled a bit away. Like he took nine 90 seconds or whatever in, in the last couple of kilometers. Uh, but I, I, I never really stopped believing that I could actually win because I also knew that he, he burned
1: a lot of of maybe, maybe
0: Mm -hmm. the whole. Yeah. Uh, like ask it <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to do that run effort he did so I never stopped believing but you know there comes a time where it's like you just have to get to the finish line
1: <laughs> it was an incredible race mate incredible
0: race yeah it was it was, it was was a nice way also to finish off the season um, even though it, it felt like you know I started the season in Dubai in March so racing the last race in November it's, it was also kind of it was a long, long season. Um, I think basically because we had the World Championships in in May already in Saint George, which meant that we had to do like pretty nasty, nasty sessions already in like early February. Um, and again, that's just the thing we have to get accustomed to in the sport because you know there's more high-profile races. We have the PGO Ibiza coming up. Um, and you just have to be kind of fit all year round. If you're not like aiming for just like doing kind of the old school w- way, uh, Mark Allen kind of type, where you could be co- completely off uh, for the whole season and then just go win Hawaii. <laughs> um, we 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 can't really do that anymore, and that's I, th- I think that's actually pretty cool, kind of a World Cup vibe as you had. How do you plan your season now?
1: Like, what 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 is it for you? Like, I mean. Kona is obviously pretty big draw card, although it's not on the table for for you this year. It's you, you'll be in Nice. But how do you decide when you, you sit down, you know, with your team? How do you map out your preseason racing, your, your your focus for the year? What is it for you?
0: It didn't take a lot of thought process because it's just like where's the best going to be? That's going to be the PTO races, hopefully Roth and um, Nice.
1: Wow. So it's just simply That's for you, it. it's racing the best. Find the best and race it yeah. often. I love that.
0: Because at, at the same time, I bet that was what you loved as well, like oh, yeah. following the, the World Cup series. And mm-hmm. you, you have that on short distance. We don't really have. We've never had that on, on middle distance. Um, I, I never did World Cups and stuff. Uh, I really wish that, that I had permission to do it because I, I love the fact that you go out not only the racing, but also the camaraderie because I can, you know, the, the sports, um, what's it called? Like sports manager in, in the Danish Federation is Rasmus Henning. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whom you, all, you also raced Oh, I've many times, times he is Rasmus, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And he always says like the, the the greatest thing he got from, from racing was that kind of, I know it's uh, rivalry, but also camaraderie you get mm-hmm. with the, with the people you race and, You never had that on on long distance or or middle distance Um, because it's just never been like you you meet each other once maybe twice a year and you know of course you're not going to be friends in that way. No. So Um, was there a
1: reason you never raced the ITU? I mean, with you and and, I mean, we'll get into your background in in a little bit, but you know your, your swim background at least gets you in the front pack. I mean. You know, you can obviously Uh, bike and and run. You're a capable athlete with tremendous discipline and everything else. Is there a reason?
0: I've become that, but I I wasn't (laughs) when I had the chance to do the (laughs) ITU. (laughs) Gotcha. Uh, I think actually I was, uh, you know, I've I've of course uh, asked myself a bunch of questions uh, over the years because I've been massively angry at the Federation and you know, I think I was kind of robbed from actually, uh, you know, racing Olympic distance and stuff. I've never done an Olympic distance. Get out! Um, wow. And you know, I because Denmark is a small country, we we've only had one guy who could actually make it on on the biggest uh, scene, and therefore all the all the funds would go to to him, um, rightfully so, because he was uh, like top ten in the world. Um, but it also leaves like the rest of us out in the, in the dark. Cause like it's difficult to fund, um, you need like, what is it, $30,000 or whatever to, to cover a year of racing on, um, yeah. like on the world cup circuit. And you also have to have a certain level, skill level and performance level. You mm. have to be up there all the time to actually uh, like get, get the points you need to, to race the big races and, you know, to get to the Olympics, which, you know, that that's what it's all in South, uh, ra- racing the Olympics, because that's, that's the biggest stage in, in the short distance sport. Mm. Um, and I was a part of a smaller group who had, we had the chance to get there. Um, I just, um, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough. And also I, when I had the chance, I blew it completely. And that was not only in the races. It was more like in the preparation of the races. Mm. Like years ago, I would say, um, I, I don't know how to form it, but uh, I didn't like the federation. I didn't like their choices. But now it's more like it was probably my own fault. I did have the chances and I just didn't take it.
1: Yeah, I mean, hindsight's twenty isn't it? I mean, I think there's a lot of federations that are going to have to be looking at how the Norwegians are running their program by almost allowing the athletes to have a little bit more choice and the Federation stepping back a little bit and Gustav and Christian and and others are are racing Super League one week, you know, 70.3 another week Mm -hmm. Olympics, Ironman 70.3 and they're looking at the sport as one rather than I feel like all the federations with all the polo shirts out there, which is, you know, we have more administrators and coaches than we do athletes, it seems, in a lot of these federations, not to get too political, but it does tend to have shifted that way a little bit. And it's like, hang on, let's just get out of the way and let these guys race and let them race in the full spectrum of things from MACA's Super Sprint Series to, you know, all the way to PTO to Ironman and do the full spectrum. And let's see what dishes out you know i feel like we've made the the friction to to start any of these events to get on to start it's just such so many hurdles i don't know i feel for a lot of the young guys like yourself that are like well i just
0: i just want to race you know i was one of the first ones uh who got that message because the the former um the former uh director sport he he was like uh, you're not performing on seventy point three. Um, you can like. We will not back you for for a run at the Olympics. So now, like, you have to you have to find a way to to make it like make it yourself. And at first, I took it like very personal because I was you know it's it's tough when you're uh, eighteen years old and you you feel like it's your whole identity, it's your, your whole purpose of life that is to go to the Olympics. And then get the message like you you're not good enough to go there. Of course, it's it's tough, but I can also see now that he did it for the greater good because he could see that I had some attributes that would like not fit the kind of racing in, in sprints, but more more so at the at the seven point three maybe Ironman distance. Um, and that that is kind of the same thought process as you talked about the fact that you shouldn't just be like. Everybody has to do this. Everybody has to do the have to have to do the sprint, or everybody have have to, to go through the program. Somebody can also say like, even though I'm 21 years old, I'm still going to focus on ironman racing and be damn good at it. Because you can see now that's what, especially me and Magnus are are doing here in Denmark. Is mm-hmm. even though we are quite young, both of us we still we focus full on, on on the 70.3 and Ironman racing. And I I think it's a, it's a better way of, of maybe doing it because then you, you specialized in one area and and you feel like, of course, I've gotten some confidence uh, in getting some solid results. And that also breeds more eagerness or whatever to, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to do better and be more professional and make smart choices and everything. So that's kind of a, a good spiral. You just need time to kind of build that, that cult- culture in, in the federation and, and in the country.
1: Well, I think one of the great things you've said is, you know, that you, you love to race. You love to race often. You love to race the best. And I think so long as you can keep doing that as you do the longer things, I think we've often seen a lot of the long course athletes, you know, pull back and, you know, do one race here or there. And it's really a long time apart. And I feel like they're missing, they're missing what you get out of racing. You know, I think you can train yeah. a lot. I think it's good. You need to train. You need to get fit. But there's nothing better than a race, and even a bad race. There's the learnings from a bad race still outdo a great training day for the most part. I, I I still think getting out there and racing and racing often is is just tremendous. And you're doing that, so I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, you're completely right there. Yeah, and the fact that now when we have the when we have the carbon shoes, it's like the run is also the. Th- is always the thing that takes the most out of your leg legs and your body. And, but right now we have the equipment so we can actually race more because we can recover quicker. Well, as well. said.
1: Well said. That's um, so true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think in, in general, you just, you have to, that, that's kind of my, um, my mission this year is to learn how to race. Um, and I can learn how to race when I'm only training. So I have to race races as well. Uh, of course, you still have to make smart choices. <laughs> no, no,
1: no. And look, and the way you do races and, and everything else. Like earlier this year, you raced uh, Clash Miami, and then you followed it up with seventy point three Lanzarote the next week. How was that for preseason races?
0: Uh, it was a solid slap to the face. Um, results wise, I think it was it was great to. Uh, it was great to get out and, and do some racing as you said, cause it's like, mm-hmm. I, I just missed it. Even though it's, it's only like four, four months, it still feels like a lifetime when you get <laughs> out and do the first race of the season. Yeah. Um, and to come back to your, your, your question before, like my, my prep for the, for the season or my preseason training have been, uh, so-and-so I've had some problems with my back last year I I wanted to to fix and and that's taking a lot of energy and yeah therefore I had to take kind of a step back from training and and start to do implement some other stuff strength uh, strength training and and so on Um, so I knew I had some decent shape but it's not like I've banged for four months of of solid uh, base training as I normally would uh, when I would start the season um, but I can see now it was a it, it was a great investment because uh, as you said it's like it's so what you get in racing is it's so good for if you if you are able to like recover and take it in for for um, a stimuli on the body it's like you can't do anything that's better I think because uh, you need that kind of uh, race um, uh, speed and also um, the quick reactions you have to make like the decision, the starts, um, the way you feel the lactic acid and everything, it's just, it, you, ha- you have to do it, um, before the big raises comes. Just,
1: just managing the sympathetic nervous system, you know, the fight or flight or fight being on a start line, controlling your breathing, what, what words are going through your head, all of that. It's hard to get that from training you know, the mental and emotional yeah. that you get with a helicopter flying overhead, with with camera crews around, with them playing anthems, whatever it is, very hard to simulate that in in training. And, and when I look at your results, I want to say at the, the start of this year, the third and a fifth, I always looked at preseason that if I got a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, I, that to me was the golden, that was where I wanted to be. I actually got more nervous about winning in March and April then I get excited because it meant generally my, you know, personally my focus would be sort of August, September, October. And if I'm crushing March, April, I'd always be a little bit nervous. So I I think this is my personal feedback for you. I think a third and a fifth in solid fields to start the year and you're well within the race. I think it's a nice place to be, to be honest. I think that's a perfect place to be. I know, I know we love to win, but honestly, if you, for preseason, I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I think when when I look back <laughs> at it now, I'm really happy for it because the worst thing in the world that could happen would be that I would go to Lancerotti especially um, and win, and then feel like okay, everything is fine. We yeah. just uh, <laughs> yes. we just keep uh, keep doing what we're doing yeah. yeah. I, I seriously, I got a slap in the face, and it was it was very good to see. Like we have the hardcore numbers that tells me. I'm just not good enough right now.
1: But didn't you lose your bag and everything? Didn't you lose your bag and all your gear before that race?
0: Yeah, but, but you know, there was some, of course, there was some stress, but that's that's a part of, of being yeah, an athlete. True, but true. It, it, was especially, it was especially the thing like mid-race, seeing the numbers, okay, we have to up the game. And that was, I think, right now, that was the best thing that could happen because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it also, motivational-wise... It's just, it's so good yeah. um, and I wake up every morning and feel like, okay, I have to get to work. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm not there yet, um, but I will be. There was a smaller um, uh, meaning behind the, the, the races. I also did because I looked at the calendar and we have to do the um, uh, PTO US and the PTO Asia, which is kind of a change in time zones within two weeks. Um, mm. and I really wanted to learn, like, what, what can we, what can I learn right now in terms of the traveling between and the recovering between the, the events?
1: Well done.
0: Cause I really want to be on my A game there. You know, I certainly, I learned a lot <laughs> from, uh, from traveling, um, and also recovering, uh, in the, in like, in that kind of, uh, week in between races, um, so I think it was money well spent um, and time well spent,
1: no doubt. I love that foresight. I love that you're looking at that and dealing with jet lag and how are you going to manage that. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of science about how to manage jet lag. Did you say is there, a, sorry, forgive me, but the, the, the USPTO is the week before or two weeks before Singapore?
0: Yeah, it's weeks. yeah.
1: Really okay, so we'll, I will tell you that I think always flying east from the US, you tend to feel pretty good going that way.
0: Uh, I hope so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know how, how long you have to have been in the US, but I've always found going from, a, from the US to China or Australia or Asia or whatever, I've always done pretty well that way. I've always had it a little bit harder when i've come from japan to florida or whatever i'm like oh my god i feel half asleep so maybe that's in your favor yeah. um but i'm love that you're at least looking into it i think it's really cool a mini break to tell you about any question the place where you can go ask the world's greatest expert questions listen to the, all of their answers that are already there so right now we have over a thousand world-leading experts and over 75,000 answers. And it's all in a library that you can go search and discover some great content and some amazing learning. It's all free. Go check it out. You can go to anyquestion.com forward slash Greg Bennett. That's anyquestion.com forward slash Greg Bennett, or download it directly on your iOS or Android. Uh, And it's all completely free. Hey, listen, we've spent a good half hour of this show uh, just talking about your pre-season, where you're at and everything, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. But I actually want to just dive into a little bit about who you are um, and your background. And, you know, I like to ask guests to rewind the clock and just tell me about your journey to here. You know, when did your passion for endurance sports start? How old were you?
0: Oh, my passion for endurance sport, that was in uh, in year 2000. And I get chills right now just thinking of it. Hang on, you're so, only 26. You could, you're only three or four years old. I was, um, and I, I'm not <laughs> sure. I, I'm not sure if it's because I've just been told that story yeah, a lot I of times, that. and I've seen the, I've seen the clip. But um, my my granddad and I, we watched a lot of sports together. You know, I I, I always loved sport. We were sitting there watching the the Sydney uh, Games, the 400 freestyle. Uh, final and when Ian Thorpe were uh, were called um and the the crowd just went nuts I think that's like it's one of the most underrated um times in the history of the sport or moments in the history of of maybe any sport you have that young kid who uh like have a whole uh, country at uh, the Olympics on his uh on his shoulders, and before the biggest event, and he goes out and smashes it, smashes it completely. I think that's one of the most beautiful things that ever happened in in the sport of swimming, at least. And from that day on, it was just like I had to watch sport all the time. I I'd prefer if it was cycling or swimming, but yeah, to be honest, I didn't really care what it was. Um, but you know, from from that from that uh, kind of time, it was just like Tour uh, de France, the classics. I've always watched it, and I, I I love every second of it because it just tells its own story. And I started swimming; was a part of a of a small group of guys uh, who, yeah, grew up together, and turned out that three of them were. Uh, probably the biggest uh like talents in danish swimming ever um i was not one of them so <laughs> <laughs> i was also, i was always the slow guy on the on the relays who had to uh, try to bring it home oh. so i think we i think in total we won like 20 23 or so gold medals at the at the danish championships um and i it was i was always the last one uh we always started out with the fastest and then uh, I had to bring it home. So I've, you know, it's, it's, of course, it's nice memories, but I, it also kind of made me hate swimming. Yeah, and very hate, stressful. Uh, very cause stressful. Cause, oh my God. It was <laughs> so much stress. Oh my God, you poor thing. <laughs> oh my God.
1: Don't let us down. We've given it to you. Don't screw it up every time.
0: Oh exactly. God. Exactly. And uh, I have screwed it up and it was, it's been. Like re- it was a really tough uh, environment to grow uh, up in, but as well, it's it's what formed me as an athlete and as a person. And I think that's you know my former swim coach. He's uh, one of the one of the guys I, I look up to now. And if I ever have a, a question about anything, it's it's him I go to about swimming. You know, a lot of stuff is like he he taught me he taught me how to train and how to be dedicated. I, I didn't understand swimming at all. Uh, I can see that now. Like, there are so many things where I ask the guys, like, on, like, underwater work off the walls, like, what do you think of when you do it? Because I, I I'm just not good at it. I don't understand what I do wrong. And they all looked at me weird and was like, "We just kick. But obviously, if, if it was just kicking, then I would be good at it. So I, <laughs> There's more to yeah. it than that. Some of you are just talents. <laughs> exactly.
1: The problem with talent, they don't know how to teach,
0: right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that was also when I found out I, I was definitely not a talent. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, short uh, long story short, I, I broke my arm and I uh, played dodgeball, kind of weird uh and then uh you know i started s- uh, s- cycling on a stationary bike and and also running and um, as rehab just kind of uh you know still still uh, training a bit because uh, like all other athletes i'm uh, you, nobody can be around me when i'm uh, when i'm not training so uh yeah that was kind of a that was kind of just blowing up, off some steam uh, and then i got a i got a race bike and I went out on the bike ride with one of the one of the guys from um, from the local triathlon club, and it was my first ride with that guy. was like um, complete eye opener. Uh, the fact that you can go out and train with your with your best buddies and and actually have a chat at the same time. It was not like face down in the pool, uh, staring at the black line and just basically racing every every session you did because uh, that was what i did at that point now we just we just had a good time and we we saw some nature of you know when you've lived in, <laughs> in the same area for 10 years but three kilometers down the road you've never seen that place before and that's just what cycling and running can do the fact that you go out and you explore the nature and that's you know that some of the stuff i love the most uh, the Stuff I am I can actually do now, uh, traveling to places and see places, ways other people normally don't see. And that's also what I want to aspire all other people to do, just go out and ride. I've never met a person who started riding a bike and, like, hated it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it probably depends on where you live. But you're, you're right. I agree with you. It's like getting out there in the night. How old were you when you when you first started, um, you know, getting on the uh, bike a bike? That was
0: around... Yeah, like six, 16, 17 years old.
1: So you'd been a fan of watching the sport, but that, that was the first time you actually went and got yourself a bike and sort of got into it?
0: Yeah, yeah. But again, watching the sport, it was only Hawaii. I I watched the, um, yeah, the Maca uh, Crow era, uh, era kind of, um, and I thought it was a great sport, but I never really, yeah, thought about sh- switching before I actually did.
1: Yeah. And so, when you got your you got your bike, then so you when you'd broken your arm and you started running, still was there any inclination to to go to triathlon, or was it just sort of rehabbing, getting ready to go back to swimming?
0: Uh, I still went and uh, did a, a full year of swimming afterwards, um, and but it was like after half a year, I I actually trained very well, but uh, I just you know it's in that age where you you just grow a lot. Um, the muscles get big, gets bigger and you know that kind of swimmer body um, comes forward and mine didn't really, so um, I needed a change. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, luckily for me, that year my swim coach actually did a, a iron, an Ironman in uh, in Austria in Klagenfurt. Yeah, we we talked about the fact that um, if I could do the Ironman uh 50 faster than he did then he would give me a you know a trip to a state local steak, steakhouse um at dinner there so uh fast forward uh, i kind of did <laughs> <laughs> yeah you smashed it
1: so so when was it that performance like I, i'm always curious as to you know as part of your journey when you when you kind of you've You've, you've been swimming, you, you know, you're breaking your arm, you start biking and running. You've always had a love for sport and, and all of that. But when you started getting into the triathlon world, was there a moment where you said, huh, this is where I belong and I'm actually – I may not have been the most talented in my swim team, you know, being the fourth guy on the relay kind of thing, but I've got some ability here in the world of triathlon?
0: I think it's multiple moments, but the two, the two moments that stands out is um... – I, I went to like a, a federation get together where you, you swim an 800 meter and you run a 5,000 meter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's just to be on the national team basically. And I, I hadn't done any races at that point. I just started run training and, and I, I went there and the first day I did the 800 meter and was clearly the fastest. And then the day after we did the, the 5,000 meter and, I ran like 17 flat or so, um, way better than what I expected. I thought like if I did below 20 minutes, then I would be happy. So I had no, I, I clearly had no idea what I did, uh, not what I was doing, but, and then the, 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 the heat after that was like the fast heat. And that was this guy who, um, I, I noticed the day before that he was not the greatest swimmer I think he swam like close to one minute slower than me on the 800, but he ran 14.20 or so. And I, I've never watched a lot of athletics, um, and it's not it's not a part of the school system to do track and field or whatever uh, here in, in Denmark. So 14, 14.20 is like out of this world. Well, in it my is life. out of this world
1: even if you do watch athletics. It's still
0: phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is pretty fast. Yeah. Um, and I, the way he ran it, the, the technique and stuff, it was just, I kind of fell in love. Uh, I remember that. And, um, and then 20 minutes after it was, you know, uh, the hype kind of, um, settled down and he came over to me and like, uh, just said, Oh, nice, uh, nice swim yesterday. That was, it was awesome to see. I, I wish I, I had some of your uh, technique and easy glide in the water. And I remember I was just completely, I didn't know what to say. I was completely starstruck because you have this, uh, Hercules kind of type who just ran like faster than anything I've seen before. And, and he comes to me and asks for, for advice. I was completely oh, like, awesome. yeah, mm. I was not a part, I, I was, I was not used to that kind of, um, of, uh, culture from the swim world. Yeah. That was the moment where I felt like my type of human was accepted that was where i belonged I love um, that.
1: what a great story
0: and i think afterwards he became and now he's one of my best friends and i think that's it's just fun that's uh, so cool how you can have you can have two sports that is just completely different in that way.
1: And you just p- both admire and respect each other because of what you can do exceptionally well. I, I, I think that's a really cool story. Um, and th- and then we, you know from that you know that's obviously f- still fairly on. In that. was there a point where, you know, you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a professional athlete. I'm gonna go all in here. Was that after your conversation after the coach told you about the Olympics, or when did you decide to, Okay, I'm gonna go all in.
0: There was a period of like three years where I um, I thought I was going like all in, uh, I heard that, you know, I was going to, um, in this kind of smaller group where they had to select a couple of guys to go for the Olympics. And I was a part of that group. And I thought I was going, I did the all in move, the relocated move to also where I live now, uh, because we had the national team training center here. And that was just what I had to do. Um, to make it to the Olympics, and I thought I was going all in. Everything was uh, was great. I measured the highest swim max ever in Denmark, and um, all training sessions. I felt like I, I brought that kind of racing at every training session, almost to um, to triathlon because that was what I, w- I was used to in swimming. And of course, that's the that's the one thing I. Uh, yeah, I, I regret the most because I was, uh, nobody wanted to train with me because I never stuck to the program and I I was just there at every session just to, yeah, basically win. Um, and for me winning, that was only by being the first all the time, like smashing myself completely, you know, and I thought that was the way of going all in. And then I had, uh, I had two years where I just uh, I dnf a bunch of races because of asthma and I I hated like I hated going at, uh, to competitions because I, I kind of knew that I would fail. I didn't understand what I did wrong because I, I was still smashing it in, in every workout and I did a, a good job in my own head. Of course I wasn't because I, I think basically I, I was just not asking myself the right questions or I was not honest to myself uh, about what was going on. So, so I've, I felt like I was I was all in, and uh, I did the sacrifices. I, I blamed the um, I blamed the uh, everybody else for, for not doing the right races, not doing the right training. Not, you know, it was never me. I never pointed fingers inwards. Yeah, I, I was called up, I was called up to the uh, to the principal's office, and and he told me that I was um, kicked off the the national the national team. Because of lack of uh, lack of uh, results, and that was just a huge kick to the head. Because um, you know, in my mind, I, I knew that I I hadn't done uh, a lot of good results, but at the same time, I felt like uh, I still I still have what it takes. Um, <laughs> I still have a high view to max. I just haven't shown it yet, and that's because of wrong training. Mm. Uh, well maybe not (laughs) maybe the training was right I was just doing it wrong Uh,
1: there's a couple of things that I take from all of that first and foremost I love the competitive mindset and it's just a matter of having a good team around you to channel that you know I I get excited when I hear the way you talk like I want to win everything and it's like okay okay Mm -hmm. we need somebody a great coach knows how to pull that person back right it's like a great coach shouldn't be a motivator a, 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 a great coach that has to motivate has the wrong athletes. <laughs> An mm-hmm. athlete should be well and yeah, truly motivated and wants to win everything they do, and it's a matter of a great coach is pulling that person back all the time. And I think so. I do think you are lacking some guidance um, on how to train, uh, obviously. Um, but I do love personally. I would have been looking at that going. I want. I want to work with that kid. <laughs> um, like, uh, i want the one that like i i know what i can do with that guy i just got to hold him back and temper him and, and let him loose when when the big day comes around um so i think that's really cool i uh, also have to ask what was what is your vo2 max you you've mentioned that it was big
0: uh, it was like uh, 92 or 93 or something get like out that. of town So, so my goodness yeah, 7.2 liters but, but then again I'm not hundred percent I'm not hundred sure in, in the way that was measured And that's for for you guys out there seriously when when people post like insane real to max numbers you always have to be a credit to that yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like still like look at the results so on many... the finishing line
1: it doesn't matter it's one of a thousand variables everybody it, it look it is an indicator I, I've said look yeah. it's, it's one of those ones that if an athlete said, you know, when I was coaching, if an athlete came to me and they said, look, I have a VO2 of 60, we might reframe what the outcome goals might be in the destination. Like it, it does matter to a point that, but honestly, once mm. you're sort of that 80 plus group, it's, um, it's really a, there's so many other things that happen, um, but that's extraordinary. Yeah, exactly. Um, but did you end up working with, you mentioned earlier, I don't know if you'd said it in jest, you know, with a sports psychologist, do you work with anybody?
0: Yeah, so that was actually that was the the, the period of time where I I decided to go go all in because um, I was kicked off the national team and um, after that it was I started working with a psychiatrist and um, that changed my world completely because uh, all of a sudden I started asking myself the right the right questions and you know, I, my coach was, um, was really hands on in terms of, um, he, he, he didn't want to let me go. Uh, that's, that was pretty clear. Cause he also, he, he saw all the potential I had. Um, I just had to learn how to understand what, like the, the things he, he told me and how he communicated. Um, and that's, it's one thing that, that I've learned afterwards. It's, there was a, a span of four years or so where everything he said, it was like I, I understood it one year after he said it. Um, um, and so I started working with a psychiatrist and that was the best thing I've ever done in, in, my, in my career because um, it's, it's just about putting everything into perspective um, and learning how to, as you say, control yourself in certain moments, um, how to not, not be a world champion in, 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 training, but be a world champion in racing and get the most out of your, yourself in, in racing, uh, one aspect that I've been lacking completely before. Um, so it was, it was basically going into the, uh, 2019, um, season that I decided that I wanted to go all in and I wanted to do it. It, like anything in my power to, uh, get the most out of myself. Yeah. And um, it worked and it, it worked <laughs> it, completely, but, yeah. um, but I like, it was also a huge learning curve and it was a very steep learning curve. And I think that that was because I, all of a sudden I started actually paying attention to, to the, the things like basic, the basics, but also things happening around me. It was a crazy season in, in many ways, and and that was when I that was when I started to take things seriously. But also when I started, oh, I felt like I finally proved myself that I can I can be there. I can like I can be a part of the of the elite. And also what kept me in the sport, because um, definitely if I if I if I hadn't reached uh, nearly what I reached that season, I it would be difficult to uh, to justify quitting university and quitting a, a job and, you know, go all in on, on the triathlon.
1: Oh, so you you had started university and started some work and it was like, okay, off I go. Uh, tell me that transition and that decision, was it was a difficult one? Was it, did you have any sort of financial support? What was that like?
0: It was, um, I started on the PIVAK racing team. Uh, so I had like what was it? 10,000 euros a year. Um, and of course that doesn't get, it's the same in dollars basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it doesn't get you far, but at the same time it was more than I've ever earned before, um, from a contract. So I got some, some support from my parents as well and I had some savings. Um, and then it was just about picking the right races, um, in terms of, um, Of course not I I couldn't start out with high profile races even though I really wanted to do it Uh, I had to ease ease into it a little bit and then uh, my biggest goal was just to qualify for the World Championships in 70.3 you know and and I had a couple of races where I I crashed um, and it was not like it was not the best start to the season um and then i i went to lati 70.3 lati in finland finland yeah. secured the uh the the 70.3 world championship spot
1: with a nice win there you had a good win there
0: that was your yeah, first was, your first
1: 70.3 win wasn't
0: it yeah it was and um, that was a huge um a huge boost in in uh, confidence and went to Klagenfurt the week after because it's it was the uh it was the you know center of um that, that's where the the company Pivac is is located. So they are massive, massively supporter of the of the Klagenfurt Ironman. And I looked at the at the former winners of Klagenfurt, and I saw especially one name on that list. And I thought, like, okay, that's uh, that's pretty cool with uh, with Frodo uh, winning that one. Yeah. So uh, the we the the evening before it was I still did feel it a bit from the the race the the week earlier um and my coach he was he, he's always been a bit because me being a swimmer i my legs were like glass so he was a very careful me not running that much so he was like okay you can you can put your shoes in the in the in the back but if you feel like the least like tension or whatever you you have to pull off um or you have to pull out it's called um you can only start running if you know that you're gonna win <laughs> and I was like, I was like, mate, it's it's an Ironman. How on earth are you going to know that you're going to win? <laughs> Don't put your shoes on. i like, you going to win. Oh my god, I'm, I'm not I'm not like a legend in the sport where I've uh, I have the pedigree to make make that kind of decisions on the fly. Yeah. Uh, so you know, the race went on, and um, yeah, I got to transition uh, two. and I was like, I think I had a eight minute. Gap or whatever, uh, ballpark, and you know I I did the math and I was like, okay, I can run four flats for an Ironman or for a, for a marathon. That would be two forty eight. So the other guys yeah. would have to run two forties, and uh, they would not do that. So in my brain, I uh, put your shoes on. I was, winning. <laughs> I was winning, and I remember I remember I did that math when I ran with the bike. Yeah, uh, and and racked it and ran to the to the tent, and I was like, I had to do the math four times <laughs> because as a managed I, manage, uh, I men- mentioned earlier, I dropped out of uni, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, math, was, <laughs> I had to be completely right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I started running, and it was just uh, yeah, it was crazy.
1: Yeah, um, that's awesome.
0: You know, it, I don't remember anything other than running down that finisher chute and uh, you know, your whole life just flashes by in uh, small pieces, uh, from the ops and nice times with your family. Uh, and then also all the shit you had to go through, uh, mm. to, to get where you, you can actually win an, an Ironman. Um, and then seeing uh, all the, uh, all the like workers from the payback company there with, uh, the owner with tears in his eyes and it was so emotional. And yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty crazy to, to
1: experience. Just so everybody knows, you know, I'll recap that race. i got it in front of you. You, you swam a 47-minute, you biked a 4.28, you ran a 2.53 for an 8.14, but you won by 11 and a half minutes as well. So, I mean, it was uh, – and you were 22. I mean, debut yeah. Ironman, 22 years of age, 8.14, win by 11 minutes, Austria Ironman, which is, you know, world-renowned, like you said, Jan Frodeno, uh, everybody – Daniela Riff was the female that won that day. I think uh, Marinda <laughs> Carfries won it. You know, it's it, it's
0: it's a prestigious race, and, it, and it's a it's a nice race. So, like, if you ever, uh, if anybody out there looking for a race, um, that's it's a beautiful course. So, I would recommend everybody to do it. Did that
1: change your you know your life in terms of okay now I now I've got some stability behind me. I've got the resources.
0: I would say. Uh, you know, living in Denmark, uh, I pay fifty percent taxes on all uh, prize winning winnings. So uh, I got the uh, I got the the prize money, and uh, immediately the tax, tax man <laughs> came and took it. But sponsorships uh, and, and things I,
1: sponsorships had to have improved. I mean, I look at your list of sponsors now; they're some of the biggest brands in the world,
0: right? It, it did. It did it like catapulted. Um, but at the same time I, I kind of stayed in the now and I looked into a trip to Hawaii that would cost me uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, more than a, a year of salary so
1: yeah I get it I get it but it did it did what what I'm, what I'm trying to sort of say is it, it for me it sort of catapulted you into the limelight a little bit more uh, when I look at your companies you work with you know um Canyon and Red Bull and Hep DT Swiss Club La Santa Ceramic Speed and Magic Five. I want a big shout out to Magic Five, the swim the swim goggles that you work with. I mean, a lot of these companies. Did you reach out to them with a brands that you really wanted, or were they reaching out to you?
0: Um, it's kind of both. Uh, yeah, I sat down with uh, one of my my good mates. Uh, he became my manager because I had no clue how to how to do the commercial side of stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, and we made a list of uh, companies I wanted to work work with and only based out of of course quality of products but also like you could you can see uh, on on all the guys I work with there is the same kind of um, improvements of products and also uh, evolution of of uh, like Kenyon for example with how they uh, I could see how they work with Jan mm. and how they made the bikes that, that that was a part something I really wanted to be a part of because um, how they treat professional athletes how they build bikes with the athletes and not only from a engineer standpoint the same with uh, Magic 5 as you as you mentioned the fact that it's groundbreaking and and mm. Uh, I've been a part of the whole development process also uh, from like one of the earliest goggles um, being a part of that whole um, yeah, development of, of the product. And it's, that's also something I love about being a professional athlete. The fact that I can, I can be a huge part in how other people will, uh, will experience the um, use of the products. Um, and, and that goes for, for all of the, uh, for all of the brands. And, you know, that's, that's one thing we've always, um, I, am very privileged to the fact that early on Kenyon supported me and, uh, that also gave me some kind of freedom in terms of, I didn't have to sign, uh, something I didn't, I couldn't w- vouch for just to, to get like, um, food on the table. Um, and, and that's something I'm very happy about because I, I don't want to, yeah, I, I don't really want to just, you know, do commercials for, for something I don't believe in. Uh, all of it has to be something I use on a daily basis and, and it's a, a big part of my life. And that's, uh, that's a choice we've made, made quite early.
1: They're phenomenal brands, mate. And, um, you know i i the magic five goggles to me is like the carbon shoes it's almost like yeah. now now you can have these custom fitted goggles to your face it just feels like that one's a no-brainer
0: i, I could imagine that you've been uh, you've been a, a huge guy in the uh, the swedish swim goggles
1: no i wasn't they didn't work on my eyes i didn't ever i had my i you know i did half of my career with no goggles salt water or anything i didn't even bother with it i was like go oh, to hell with it I <laughs> but I, I chris McCormack was the same both of us didn't wear goggles for the longest time i didn't used to even wear them much in swim training even in chlorine pools i did i don't know in australia i sweat if you notice my stroke though it's like my head almost lifts out of the water every stroke <laughs> so i can see where i'm going oh. but i think that's where i kind of look at the custom kind of fit goggles i'll be like oh well that'd be that'd be amazing Mate, look, this is this is fantastic. I want to I want to finish. You know, I've kept a lot of your time. I know you probably got dinner on the table and everything else. But before I let you go, I I am curious, and, and I like to finish the show with a few questions that are specific to you. And you're only 26, but looking at your journey, the past, you know, eight years, nine years, is there anything that you would go back and tell you know your 18 year old self?
0: There is uh, definitely one thing or two things. Be honest to yourself and and have some fun. Cause that's, uh, that's what I've learned, learned the better way. The fact that you, you have to be honest, honest to yourself and you have to be honest to the people around you, it it is way more difficult than, than uh, what it sounds like, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. especially uh, it was for me at least. Um, and then also have fun because, you know, you only have this life and you only experience, um, you only get to experience this thing, these things once. Um, so, yeah, definitely, you know, it's, it's a very privileged life when it comes down to it, even though there's a lot of hard work and sacrifices and there's not a lot of people who can uh, travel the world and uh, see what, what you get to see as a professional athlete. So it's about you know, having some fun yeah. while doing
1: it. I'm truly enjoying this conversation and I can just see the growth within you. You know, you've got a great team around you and it's just fantastic to hear. Um, okay, here's the next one. Who, who would you want to have dinner with? Non-family, living or dead, three people.
0: Oh, it's, it's difficult when you say non-family. Uh, my, my <laughs> I know, well, that's will, why I take will, that out. Too, be one of
1: them. It's too easy, it's too easy. Of course, you're in their family, but...
0: I think um, the first one that comes to mind is actually Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, the basketball coach. Yeah. Um, cause I think what he, uh, what he was uh, able to do, you know, it's easy to say athletes, but that's all. It, it's also kind of boring because, um, a lot of the time is, it's, it's, uh, it's about controlling those kind of egos. And i I think Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson and, and Phil Jackson is probably wow. one of the, the, the best guys at controlling egos at those teams. Um, and, uh, that it would be just awesome to pick his brains on, on, uh, how he, how on earth he did that. I uh, only, I only, I only have him. <laughs> okay. That was the first one. That <laughs> Phil Jackson. And me. how
1: about Sir Alex Ferguson? You can have both of them there with you. I think that'd be yeah, a great yeah, deal. Sure. All right. Where do you see yourself in the next three years, mate?
0: Um, in the next three years, it's, you know, it's, it would be easy to say, uh, multiple world champion and, uh, <laughs> all that, uh, all that stuff, but, um, I think, uh, you know, traveling the world, uh, doing what I love and, and challenging myself on a, on a daily basis, mm-hmm. that would be, uh, I hope, I hope that I'm still going to be, going to be able to do that in three years. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure I am, but <laughs> I work my ass off to, to be there. So, uh, it's just about, uh, you know, I love this life. So, uh, that's the main part.
1: I have no doubt, mate. And I think, you know, you'll be approaching. what what, uh chris mccormack and i call the golden 30s uh i think that's where even (coughs) even more magic will happen i think you're just going to get better and love the sport more and more um i think you'll get to know yourself more and more you know mentally and emotionally as well as physically so i think that'll be really cool i look forward you've given so much advice in this episode is there anything you would you know want to share with um listeners on sort of what's one piece of advice that you would give them to just help them get more out of their own lives?
0: Yeah, I think one advice I'd give, uh, the one that stuck to me the most, it was, uh, be curious. Um, and that's, that's not only like, that's a kind of a way of, li- of, uh, living actually. It's, uh, you know, be curious about people around you on yourself, especially, um, why you react in, in certain situations the way you do. Um, mm. Be curious on uh, what, it, what it actually takes to, uh, to get where you want to go. And it all at times just starts about being curious about the world. I love that. And that was, you know, that was a huge part of why uh, I started to, uh, to be serious in, in my sport.
1: That's fantastic. Great answer. Excellent answer. Hey, do you want to, I know it's been a long day, mate, super long day, but if you've listened to this show, one of the things I like to end with is rapid fire questions. Are you up for it?
0: Yeah, go for it. All right, real quick,
1: quick answers, quick questions. Here we go. One book you'd recommend? What's it called? Ten ten times. Uh, Two most used apps on your phone.
0: Oh, that's a bad one. (laughs) Uh, WhatsApp and uh, and Instagram.
1: That's all right. That's probably two of the most common. Uh, The toughest race of your career so far?
0: I'm in uh, World Championship St George.
1: Yeah, brutal.
0: <laughs> That's a good word. It was brutal.
1: <laughs> First job you ever had?
0: Paper, paper boy.
1: Nice. <laughs> I didn't know they still had papers <laughs> when you were a kid. I love it. You're pre-internet. All right. Uh, out of ten, how cool are you?
0: Uh, solid uh, seven.
1: I give you at least a seven. For someone who knows himself so well at 26, I'm going to shove you up tw- to at least a nine. All right, mate. Who would you want to play a movie of your life?
0: Christian Bale.
1: Nice. Probably one of the greatest actors of uh, all time.
0: <laughs> he's awesome. Bat- Batman is my favorite movie ever. So, oh, uh...
1: The guy knows how to get in character, doesn't he? That's awesome. Okay, <laughs> That's which, which decade of music is the best?
0: Uh, I'm in the 80s right now. Yes,
1: good man. All right, favorite uh, race you've done?
0: Ironman 70.3, Elsinore. Really? Over Austria Ironman? Yeah. it's really cool. Uh, right? That was uh, to be European champion yeah. in, your, uh, in your backyard, that yeah. is uh, kind of special.
1: Okay, I, fair enough. I know you've won some big ones. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> we, we didn't even get to cover all your big wins, by the way. <laughs> um, where's somewhere in the world you haven't been that you'd like to go?
0: Australia no doubt
1: oh come on buddy let's get you down there
0: I'm uh, ready
1: alright good man and greatest movie of all time
0: The Dark Knight <laughs> I love it
1: that's great alright mate well this has been absolutely brilliant what do you got next what's coming up uh, what events and things you got coming
0: um, so uh, the first part of the season is uh, yeah that's kind of uh, Ibiza and um, Chance Roth that's on uh, the main goal there yeah and yeah. then um, afterwards is the the uh, yeah, it is basically just high-profile races from here, Uh PGO series and uh, and Nice as well.
1: Best of luck to you. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, been really enjoying watching you progress over the years. Um, it's been great to Thanks watch so the great. Danes take on the Norwegians. You know, we have these little rivalries, <laughs> and uh, and it's just been it's been fun to watch you guys elevate the sport. And and it's not just physically. I feel like you know. I, I've had a couple of you on the show now and I'm so blown away by the way you all approach what you do and the professionalism in the way that you carry yourselves and uh, it's just so exciting to see where the sports come to from where I was to where it is now and um, it's just really great mate and I truly appreciate you coming on and just sharing your journey and all your knowledge mate it's been fantastic.
0: Thanks a lot Greg it's, not great. it's uh, it was a huge honour being on your part it's uh, yeah you're a legend, legend yourself so uh, I'm I'm still kind of I'm sitting here sweating a bit being nervous about uh, being on the pod so that's a good
1: sign not at all mate it's been a huge honour of mine so mate stay on the line I truly appreciate you for everybody else you can find all the show notes and timestamps at BennettEndurance.com forward slash media
0: thanks a lot for listening if you enjoyed the show your support would truly be appreciated you can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.